Got a lot of sports law to talk about this morning. Joining us from Gaydon's Lawyers, it's Tim Fuller. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Very well, thank you. We've got to talk about the PGA Tour and Live Golf and the NRL and secret recordings with the Rugby League Players Association and also Manchester City and the English Premier League. And James Clark is with us now for that. Good morning, James. Hello, boys. Hello, Timmy. Clarky, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Timmy, look, we might start, though, with what's making headlines here in Australia and the CBA negotiations continue with the Rugby League Players Association and the NL, NRL. There was a meeting last Friday between the CEO, Andrew Abdo, and 50 players, and it's been revealed that one of the NRL executives was there with her mobile phone recording the session, what was taking place, without the knowledge of the Rugby League Players Association or the players. When she was questioned about it, she said she was doing so on the instructions of another NRL executive. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, mm. Paul, because, like, you know, the leaders in league conference, um, as you said, you know, 50 or 60 players, you know, one invitee from the NRL, Andrew Abdo, and he rocks up with a uninvited NRL employee. So straight away, that sparked a bit of concern, like, what's this person doing here? Um, so they sit down and then they go on to record, um, you know, the meeting, which um, there was an agreement that, you know, that um, there'd be no recordings of, you know, it was a, it was a good faith meeting. And um, then, you know, Clint Newton spoke to that person, spoke to Andrew Abdo. Um, and then following that, you know, we had the letter from um, basically the chair of the, the Rugby League um, Players Association, Deidre Anderson. And that letter basically, you know, alleged that um, this person, this employee, um, had recorded, you know, the meeting illegally, which, which, is, which is correct. So it's, it's, it's a really, really strange one, isn't it, really, to, to see this happen? Well, it's incredibly strange. Uh, as you say, uh, an uninvited person turning up and uh, they being the person accused of doing the recording uh, raises a few red flags straight away, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But, uh, Andrew Abdo, uh, well, was reportedly, in any event, um, said he had no knowledge of it. So uh, that is a relief because uh, I would have thought um, those employees are on fairly dangerous ground, actually. Oh. Andrew, it's, it's, it's interesting that Andrew Abdo said that he didn't have any knowledge, you know, that this was um, this sort of covert recording was going to happen. I mean, that, that almost beggars belief, doesn't it? At, at, at the very least, it's a, it's a massive error of judgment from Andrew Abdo that this uninvited, you know, employee um, in which the Rugby League Players Association were given no forewarning that this person would be attending, mm. you know, attends with Andrew Abdo. So first thing is like, you know, oh, who's this? Mm. You know, what's this person doing? Um, it's an NRL employee, and then goes on to secretly record the meeting. I mean, it's just really, it's a really strange one that Andrew Abdo, you know, said that he had no knowledge as to this would happen. However, uh, having said that, Paul made a very good point, is that the employee um, said that they were acting under the instruction of another NRL executive. So, um, so yeah, yeah, like, uh, what's going to happen from here? Well, Volandis has, you know, like, um, promised, you know, strong action. But, but you know, like, that's, I suppose... Um, What's really important for everyone to understand is that the recording of, you know, these types of discussions or conversations or meetings without the consent of all, of all parties is actually illegal. So, you know, we've, this really calls into question the integrity of the NRL. If this employee was acting under instruction of another NRL, uh, you know, senior executive, well, this, this is really concerning. And, 
And I, I thought what was really interesting was that um, a couple of the player representatives of the Rugby League Players Association are calling for the NRL Integrity mm. Unit to investigate. Now, that's really interesting. They're saying, well, you investigate, um, you know, allegations around players all of the time. Um, you need to investigate um, these NRL employees as well. Uh, Probably should have told you at the start of the show, Timmy, uh, Clarkie doesn't usually join us for the legal chat. He has come in this morning and he is recording <laughs> you. So uh, um, we probably should have got the thumbs up from you beforehand. <laughs> Andrew, you made a well, point actually, though. Actually, that's a, that's a very interesting um, thing that you raised, Paul, because under Queensland law, a recording is allowed yeah. as long as that person is a party to the conversation. Yeah. So Clarkie's party to our discussion yeah. this morning, all good, but not allowed in New South Wales. So <laughs> should, all right. I should have held that. They should have held that meeting um, up here in Queensland. It would have all been... <laughs> they would have well. got away with it. But <laughs> exactly. and, Andrew, Andrew made mention this morning of this, Timmy, about the integrity unit. The, the integrity unit cannot just be there to investigate players. It should be any employee of the NRL. Oh, 100%. I, I, love, I love the way the Rugby League Players Association have said... I mean, DG Anderson's letter apparently has stated this was nothing short of illegal... And, uh, you know, raise those questions around the integrity of the NRL and its executive and its, and its culture. And I don't know if it's her or one of the players said, well, this needs to be investigated by the integrity unit. So the integrity unit should, you know, get on its bike and today announce that they are, you know, going to be conducting an investigation. We all know those investigations of the integrity unit do take, you know, a period of time, but they should um, announce that they are investigating the situation because this is pretty bloody serious. Mm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting, though, uh, just, uh, Tim, isn't it? Because uh, they're two separate issues, obviously, uh, what this employee is alleged to have done and uh, the, uh, you know, negotiations with the Players Association. But just human nature is uh, it gives the Players Association a bit of an advantage. They're, you know, the oh. rugby league is sort of shamed into perhaps conceding some ground, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And, 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 and like, the, the talks and the... Um you know, the tension around the talks is really escalating. I mean, I think Sean Lane, as a representative, actually said that as, as the rugby league delegate for the Eels, you know, saying that a strike may be the only solution. Other players are now saying a radical, you know, boycott may be required for the good of the game. So this is um, this is starting to really, like, you know, really ramp up. And, you know, what a, what a mistake by this NRL employee. And as I say, for Andrew Abdo not to be aware of this... Um, you know, nobody's suggesting that, that he is not telling the truth. It's just an error of judgment to bring this person to the meeting when they were uninvited. And, um, you know, and, and, and the Rugby League Players Association had no forewarning. So, yeah, a huge mistake. Timmy, we've got a lot to cover this morning. We said there's three topics in particular, so we'll park Rugby League. We're going to move to the English Premier League now. And, and Clarky is here too because he's done a bit of research into this and what could potentially happen... With Manchester City and the EPL, was it going to be kicked out of the competition? Are they going to have titles stripped for them? What's going to happen? Well, Clarkie will have a better idea of, as to what you know, could happen or what you know, should happen. Um, I can talk about like the process of, as to what's going to happen, and that is, um, you know, a lot of people would be very aware that Manchester City is not. This is not their. What's that term? First Rodeo. Mm. Um, they have been investigated <laughs> before for you know alleged breaches of financial fair play. They, they are basically the rules at the at UEFA as, as the umbrella association of all 
you know, member federations. Um, you know, they, they are the rules that they put in place and, and, and that clubs, you know, agree to. And, um, and that's to do with, like, you know, essentially financial dealings. And so, you know, Manchester City were... Um, it ended up at the Court of Arbitration for Sport um, where UEFA, you know, took action against them there. And, you know, what was the result of that? Because of, like, time limitations, um, you know, essentially there were no big sanctions. There were fines. But, you know, what, what's a fine to Manchester, Manchester City, you know, when it's um, basically, you know, being bought by Sheik Mansour? So, in the end, um, what's going to happen here? Well, it's a really, you know, kind of um, different process. And, and to be honest, I didn't know this, and I had to sort of do some research yesterday to, like, you know, understand it. But essentially, um, you know, there's no right for this this matter to ultimately end up at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. You know, the Premier League rules prevent an appeal of any sanction to the CAS. So instead, it's going to be heard by an independent commission, and that panel will be will be selected, um, you know, through their through their sort of um, their rules. But it's actually outside the CAS jurisdiction. So. Whatever decision is ultimately handed down, like whatever sanction, it's going to be by the Premier League and nothing to do with like, um, you know, the, the cash jurisdiction. Yeah, the the interesting one with this, uh, Timmy, isn't it? Um, I mean, this has been going on for, for for four years now, and that's going to be the the real key. Just how the powers that the Premier League will have, um, and and the penalties uh, and the bans that uh, potentially could come. I mean, what, yeah. what are the, the time frames to... What, I mean, there's over 100 charges dating way back, um, you know, potentially since uh, they were taken over by the Abu Dhabi group. Um, yeah. And so... And we've got titles that they've won, trophies. Uh, there's a lot of people saying, oh, they should be stripped of these trophies. I'm, I'm in that camp where... I don't think you, you get anything by achieving stripping titles. It's it's something that doesn't sit well with me, stripping titles off play. I, I, I'm more about what, what are they going to do in the future to this club uh, if they're found to be guilty of, of, of a lot of these breaches uh, and this underlying... Um, it's 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 quite grubby what that what they've done and they've sort of yep. kept a lot of uh, you know financials. Um, it, there's a lot of shifting of money and, and secrecy surrounding how they play their coaches and players, etc. Yep, yep. Um, but I, I'm more of the the opinion of the the future. What 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 can the Premier League do to to stamp this out? Because obviously financial penalties aren't going to they're not going to uh, Damage this, this um, city group uh, because they've, they've they've got very very deep pockets. Yeah, well, Clark, you, you raised about time, and you know one of one of the things in relation to that decision that came out of CAS with UEFA was that any alleged breaches of the of the city group that related to like you know financial statements that were prior to I think it was 2013. Um, basically, all the information they had in relation to breaches of what they were supposed to do with their financial statements were, back, were, back, were sorry, were actually um, time barred. So those breaches or alleged breaches could not be examined. But what the CAS said was that any alleged breaches from basically, you know, that time after, so from two, 2013 on, could be examined. So that's why, you know, it's been a four-year investigation. Um, that's why, you know, the amount of information that the Premier League has well, you know, you would suggest has because they charge them with over, with over 100 breaches. 
you know, this could be a lot, lot bigger than obviously what happened, you know, the CAS in the UEFA decision. So, so I think, you know, yeah, what you're saying is, is going to be correct. I mean, we, we saw fines last time, but this could be, I mean, this is potentially one of the biggest, you know, sport law um, battles in history. I mean, they're already talking about, like, the engagement of, um, you know, silks that charge 80,000 quid a day. Mm. You know, they, they say it is comparable with, obviously, players like De Bruyne, like, you know, with their salaries, but it's going to be a big, big, you know, legal fight, which will take actually a long time. This is not going to be decided, you know, overnight. But I think the you know, Premier League must have plenty of mail um, to have charged them with, you know, those number of breaches. And keep in mind, it can be from 2014 on. So what, what's that? Eight, nine years of yeah. information that, that they may have. Yeah, that's when Pelle, Manuel Pellegrini took over from Roberto Mancini. And then obviously, you know, we've got Pep Guardiola in charge now and they've the amount of titles they've won, trophies, um, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I, I'm more of, like, punishing the, the, the club. Like, if it's if they're proven... It's like okay, you can't. It'd be difficult to kick them out of the Premier League, but yep. um, it's it's whether they can uh, compete in Europe. I think they're the sort of penalties that really hurt clubs is their ability to win trophies, um, like kick them out of the the FA Cup potentially out of Europe and compete in Europe for say a, a period of ten years. They're the sort of things I think as people want a bit of um, clarity and and seeing um, a punishment, a real punishment, where the, that's what really hurts clubs like that, is not being able to play in Europe. No, I mean, you're right, because, because this year, of course, um, is the year that the European Court of Justice will hand down their decision as to whether the Super League um, was a valid, you know, um, could be a valid competition or not. So that's it just coincides with this, now with this um, legal fight, because... The ruling from, you know, essentially um, what they call... Um, they call it an adjudicator, I think it is. I'm not sure, but anyway, basically it was a ruling last year. Sorry, it wasn't a ruling. It was like commentary. It was like a position of the European Court of Justice. But essentially it said that if the Premier League was to exclude a team, such as uh, City and, and all the other Super League you know, groups, they can go off and play in their own competition. There's no problem like that. And we've seen that, like, in Australia with obviously um, our Super League, you know, wars in rugby league. You can go off and play in your own competition, but what you can't do is play in the existing competition. So so the idea of exclusion and the idea of, as in from UEFA sanctioned competitions or whether it's from the competition, the domestic competition like the Premier League, they're going to have to, like, you know, it's going to be a balancing act because you've got that decision um, coming out, which will either, um, well, I would say that what's going to, that decision is going to be all about is that uh, Super League would be, you know, ruled to be clubs that want to participate in any future Super League, they're out of their comps. They're out of La Liga. They're out of the Premier League. They're out of Serie A. That's what's going to happen with that decision. If they want to start the new comp, you know, good luck to them, but they won't ever play in those domestic comps again. So the politics of you know, of that decision combined with this legal action, yeah, it makes for, it makes for a very interesting um, year. Timmy, uh, two down, one to go. As far as golf yep. is concerned, we were having a discussion yesterday about this legal proceedings that started on the 6th of February in London between the DP World Tour and the Live Golfers. And that's based on can a governing body impose rules that determine when and where a professional golfer can and can't compete? But there's separate action happening in the States. Now, this is completely different 
about that. Yep. This is more to do with the, the antitrust action. What's happened here? Yeah, it's fascinating, Paul, because what the PGA Tour have done is they've made further applications to the court, um, to the federal court, to include now the Saudi Arabia Sovereign Fund um, and also its top official, um, um, Yashai al-Ramain. So what that means is that they are making allegations that they that the top official and the fund we used and the funds you know which i think is a trillion dollar fund they use those funds to basically recruit players to live and basically encourage them to um, break their you know their their pga tour contracts and that of course is um you know breaching any trust laws or in australia it'd be breaching our competition and consumer laws, you know, to entice somebody to take part in, you know, in any competitive behaviour. So this sort of now suddenly ratchets up a little bit and, um, you know, Liv has come out with a, with a fairly strong statement, but that's now potentially going to be part of the, the federal court proceedings in the United States. So that's a uh, that's court proceedings in the states. The one in the um, in the UK for the DP tour and the live players is, is an arbitration. And yep. uh, I suppose uh, the general principle, uh, Tim, and I expect it's been uh, decided here a number of occasions is to what extent a sporting organisation can make you know rules around who can and can't participate um have you got yeah. a sense of what's happened over here in relation to those sort of decisions and do you have a sense of what's going to happen over there at all yeah it's, it's funny Andrew. like it's when i was talking about super league before when we talk about like um the arbitration that's happening in the uk when we talk about like you know inducements if you like um to breach contracts they're all, they're all kind of you know tied up in into one in many ways i mean like we all know that rival competitions can start we've seen that in so many sports, we've seen in American football, we've seen in rugby league, in our country, we've seen it in cricket. They can start, but you know, the right of a club or a player then to play in an existing competition. Generally speaking, the courts will say, no, 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 you've made your choice to jump ship. Um, you don't no longer have any rights in relation to that, you know, existing competition. I think um, what's going to become apparent in the live case with the USPGA is that any sort of inducement for a player to you know breach their contract that's going to be the telling issue there and that's obviously against like um, you know the, the, the competition and consumer laws that we have in countries so that's going to be the wonder to really sort of focus on like what did they actually do to actually um, have them breach those agreements I mean they did they personally recruit the players did they personally negotiate the contracts do they approve the player contracts these vast amounts of money that the golfers are on like you know that's going to be the type of evidence that's going to need to be um examined you know in, in that particular legal action it's interesting wasn't it because uh, already that one's got fairly personal i think uh, from the live yeah. side of things they were seeking discovery from the augusta uh, sort of members condoleezza rice might be one i think they were looking for discovery of any correspondence between her and the head of uh, the augusta uh, national golf club so it's getting down and dirty yeah. on uh, that one but i think the most interesting thing you've said today is how are you and i going to get part of that eighty thousand pounds a day <laughs> i saw <laughs> andrew's attention spark up with you when you said that what time 
time are we leaving oh. for London? <laughs> so you, you and I will add up a couple of years of work and we'll, we'll come to that about. Oh, yeah. He doesn't like wearing <laughs> silk. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, yeah, that's oh. big ticket items over there. How long would it go, uh, uh, Timmy? You got any idea? I mean, you can't imagine with 100 charges. I mean, they're going to be looking at it line by line, the Manchester City lawyers. Yeah, well, well, absolutely right, Andrew, because, because um, you know, one of the things is that the, you know, the rules that relate the financial fair play rules, I mean, they, they're, they're quite incredible. There's so many in relation. Obviously, Clarkie raised a few that were to do with, like, um, you know, sponsorship. Mm. There's there's rules around true reporting of, um, you know, the break-even um, information they have to they have. to have. So, so basically, like, the, the essence of those rules is that you can spend the amount of money that you are able to, like, you know, sort of generate. And, there's, there's, and you can go into deficit a little bit. I think there's about a $5 million euro deficit so you don't have to exactly break even but you know there's there's rules around sponsorship yeah there's rules around um you know what what kind of um there's there's rules around many um sorry uh manager remuneration clarky sort of you know made reference to that um surely they just award arsenal the title now (laughs) he was claiming it last night we're we're all waiting for we're all waiting for we're waiting for Arsenal to fall over, but anyway, <laughs> I think the big news today is Grimsby. Um, yeah, you know, chalking up the win over Luton. That's Absolutely. massive. But uh, no, but it, there's so many rules, Andrew, and, that, yeah. and that's why there's so many charges because um, <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, there's there's rules around that that the club has to agree in writing to cooperate. So you would think that the set of rules are enough to follow, but mm. no, there's actually a requirement for the club to put in writing. We are. You know, we agree to be bound by all of these rules, and this is after you submit all the information mm. for examination, the financial information. So, yeah, I think the rules are as long as your arm, and that's why I think there's so many charges. Always a pleasure, Timmy. No doubt we'll be catching up next week about, I don't know, swimming or something. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, motorsport. Just one, of those, one of those sort of sports, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good on no, you, Tim. Great. Chat Thanks next forward. week. See Tim you. Fuller Bye. from Gaydon's Lawyers joining us this morning.